Hello and welcome to episode 387 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and you know, before we sing the song of our people, let's introduce my other panelist, Wes Island. Hi, everybody. Wes, uh, you and I are the only ones that signed up for this game this week. We're talking about Rhapsody at Musical Adventure, a 1998 PlayStation game that was uh, that came worldwide in, in 2000. It's the first localized worldwide game by Nipponichi Software. Uh, they And it's developed a, a bit of a following over the years because Wes... Uh, over the last, say, 20 years of being extremely online and extremely into JRPGs, um, <laughs> you would see positive language about Rhapsody. Like, this is a... Yeah. Uh, again, this fan base is not large, but the people that have played this game generally like it a lot. Is that is that your experience as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the only negative voices I've heard are ones who don't like musicals, um, for the most part. So Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk about the musical nature of this game. Uh, but but first, a little bit more background. Um, uh, I, I should mention I am a big fan of Nipponichi games, but that is almost entirely due to their run of strategy RPGs in the 2000s. I put um, terrifying amounts of time into the first four Disgaea games, as well as La Pucelle Topic, ta- excuse me, as well as La Pucelle ta- Tactics, and um, medium amount of time into Makai Kingdom, Phantom Brave, uh, oh, what, what, what other ones are out there that I'm forget- definitely forgetting right now? Um, Soul Nomad. Soul Nomad, yeah, the gig with the world leaders, that's right. Uh, a, a little bit of ZHP on Losing Ranger. Oh, um, amazing game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I really, really like that run of games, which is mostly the 2000s decade into the early 2010s. Um, and and again, I have been quietly trying to sneak a Disgaea episode onto this podcast for, no joke, something like six or seven years, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Gotta believe. There's still time. There's still time. There's a new Disgaea out. Quick, quick. No, no, no. Well, we got everyone's in the mood. We, no, we no. need to go back. We got to wait 18 months for them to do the complete re-release first. <laughs> but anyway, um, Rhapsody Musical Adventure was, uh, for many people, the earliest available Nipponichi game. Uh, again, it came out in 2000 for the PlayStation 1. And uh, it's the, also the first game in a series called Marl Kingdom, which is sometimes called Marl's Kingdom because it's like, it's like, it's like Model No Kingdom or whatever. Um, and, and, and it's referred to in both ways in the text of the game, so I don't know what the right, exact right way to say it. But um, uh, Rhapsody came out as part of a collection um, last year. Uh, I, I think it's a collection on the Switch, but you can get Rhapsody, uh, along with La Pucelle Tactics, but you can get Rhapsody and La Pucelle separately in other, uh, um, on other platforms like Steam. So it, it basically, and, and, and I think this was volume three of the Nipponichi Classics collection, so slowly... Perfect. Over the past couple of years, Nipponichi has been re-releasing a lot of their more popular games of the 2000s in these collections, and Rhapsody happened last year. And I and that's exactly how I'm playing this right now. I'm playing. A, I got the Rhapsody and Lapuscell collection on the Switch, and um, that's why I'm playing this. But uh, also, uh, the the fourth collection of this nature is the other two Marl Kingdom games, and those just came out earlier this year. And there's reviews for both of them on RPGFan.com. So if you want to you know, take the temperature of the Marl Kingdom trilogy, you can read reviews of all three of them that are less than 18 months old. So uh, basically, this was a very niche game that that had two unreleased games as part of a trilogy, but now all of them are more available than ever. So I think we we were interested in Rhapsody because it was on our ideas board for a long time. 
Um, but then the re-release of these games, I think maybe re-sparked or renewed some more interest in them. So it ended up winning our internal poll uh, for what to play this month. And here we are, Wes. You know, I've I've wanted to play this game for so long that I was really happy at one. Uh, I wish we had maybe one or two more people joining us just to just to get more people invested in this game because it's got a lot of interesting ideas. Um, yeah, it, it definitely mer- merits a discussion. And um, we'll talk about like what I think is good and bad about this game and how much I'm actually enjoying it soon. But uh, I, I think just people were busy this month. We got this. Yeah, we, we did have a third panelist, but they had they had to cancel because they were busy. Uh, it, it's I, I, and 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 two person episodes of podcasts I think can work and do work, but they uh, but you you know just like I I, I think that uh, people didn't want to have to like buy a new copy to be on the podcast this just just this month specifically. It's fine. We're talking enough for a full panel. Oh yeah, I, I I can probably talk enough for a full panel just on my on my own, <laughs> but that would be so selfish and egotistical that I would never dare do it. But um, you mentioned that you uh, had wanted to play this game for a while. I did play the very beginning of this game, uh, probably around twenty years ago in the early two thousands. I was a teenager. I was renting as many PlayStation RPGs as I can to play as many as I could, and I believe I rented this and got either bored or lost. Um, I don't even think I got to the party at the castle. It was, I was just unsure of the next, I, I couldn't figure out the next place I had to go. And I just gave up on it and, and gave it back to Blockbuster after uh, five days or whatever, whatever the time limit was. I've I've definitely been occasionally thankful for FAQs and walkthroughs as I've gone through this. Because <laughs> it's got that old school idea of you've got to talk to the right person and they're not going to tell you who that right person is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. There's some Dragon Quest energy of you need to talk to every NPC because you won't be able to progress until you find the event flag. That's the that's the one NPC you have to talk to. Um, but unfortunately, this game is not uh, is not super broad. Like there, there's not 15 towns and stuff in it, so it's not even it's not even a huge effort to go back and talk to literally everyone in town. And that's what I've resorted to a couple times. Honestly, that's. That's one of the two things that drew me to it. One was the musical nature of it, because uh, I love musicals and I couldn't resist. Um, the other is the fact that it's such a condensed game. It, it moves quickly. Yeah, maybe it's because this game is a little old, and, but, and maybe it's because, you know, this game just isn't terribly deep, but it, it moves fast. Like, I, 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 uh, when I was playing it last night, I completed one of the major side quests. I, I basically finished one of the Magic Stones uh, quests. And, and then, like, and after I finished, I'm like, that took me 15 minutes. What just happened? <laughs> like, I, like I, isn't this a major pillar of the game? But, uh, but, but yeah, I had a similar experience when I played Suikoden 1 for the first time, like two years ago or so. Uh, it's, it's like, oh yeah, just games of this era, they, they moved. There's a, um, be, because, you know, uh, may, maybe because just, just that's how RPGs were back then, or maybe it's because there was budgetary constraints, but sometimes... Just events happen super fast in old school games, and when we're when we're maybe used to modern games like really languidly pulling out um, plot points or uh, or major in game events. Yeah, this might make me unpopular with some listeners, but uh, I like short RPGs. I, I want more of them. Sometimes I want something where I can like get that story in a nice condensed area, and I can remember it all. Uh, especially when my gaming time can be limited. Oh no, I'm I'm totally with you, and it definitely is because we're we're both in our 30s and our gaming time is very limited. 
But, yeah, exactly. uh, but I, I think that there is value in long games and short games because sometimes you oh, yeah. do you do want a game you can sort of play forever, and sometimes there's a game you want to be able to roll the credits in ten days. And I, I think there's value to both of those. So whenever someone complains about a game being too short, I always have to reexamine that that was like, really, was it too short, or did or were were did your expectations not ma- match the product? Like I think that exactly. Um, and and I, I one of my favorite websites of all time is is hltb.com because I can when a game's <laughs> yes. coming out or let's say a game's been out for a few weeks, I can check how long it is and be, and be like perfect. I I want to I want to play a twenty five hour game next I'll, I'll play that or it's like oh man i don't think i want an 80 hour game in my life right now maybe i'll wait until later this year like uh, but rhapsody is a shorty it is um i uh it's something like 10 to 12 hours which put makes which makes me probably more than halfway done i think i think i'm <laughs> i think i'm something like six hours in um and and, and it moves very briskly but uh it, it's i think it's selling points um as an rpg and probably why it's been popular over the years is uh that it's an RPG musical. It punctuates a lot of plot points with um, musical numbers, and some of them are sort of expected. Like a uh, like um, at very near the very beginning of the game, Cornet and her puppet Kururu are walking through the forest, and they just sing a song about like we're walking through the forest and we're friends, but we're a little lonely, and I'm not sure, and I'm I'm not sure what I want in life. Like the, like that sounds like an <laughs> you know. Like, like like Belle singing about her village at the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, exactly. or it, it is a it is a stage setting opening number that's cute and pleasant. And so uh, when this happened, I'm I'm listening. I'm like, oh, you know, this is cute. If we get a bunch of these over the course of the game, I'm not against it. But um, as we got more of them, Wes, I, I'm starting to wonder if my standards are too high. Did you have a, a similar feeling? Yeah, I definitely. Um... I definitely found myself wishing for a little bit more substance to some of the songs as I, as I went further in, there are a few that are like cute and entertaining. Whereas the first few are very much, um, let's set the stakes. Let's put a spotlight on a character and let them sing. (laughs) And that's it. Um, we get things a little bit more interesting as we go in. Yeah. I, I, there is one song that is by far my favorite and we'll talk about it soon, but, uh, I, I just think that the writing on these songs is a little weak. There's like maybe it's because I have a yeah. high standard of what a good movie musical is. Because I've seen, I, I, like you, I, I really love musicals. I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen On the Town and Seven Brides or Seven Brothers more than just about anyone else that I know. <laughs> um, I'm exactly the right age to have grown up with the Disney um, animated movies from like Little Mermaid to Mulan range. That that uh that ten twelve year gap or so mm-hmm. and 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 all of those have just incredible writing and incredible music and um and you know I'm also a fan of Broadway musicals and I've seen um and I you know there was a time where I listened to the Hamilton soundtrack for uh, for many many hours in a row so there like, was a time there was a time it's still good <laughs> but but I, I when that when that musical was having its moment I was part of that moment I'm you know yeah, you know me too. Uh, I'm, I'm mostly okay and, and only and only slightly embarrassed to say um no no shade though hamilton's great but um but it rhapsody is. is not as great um like these these songs are the writing is a little stilted um i think the performers are fine but they're like but they're not singers like like, yeah. like, like, like these are voice actors that they hired but not singers which makes me wonder like man if, if jody benson was in grandia 2 as a voice they, they couldn't get her for this yeah, exactly. Um, 
and it's tough because it's not just like that. It is, it is the writing. It is very simple rhymes, not a lot of the kind of wordplay you'd love out of, uh, out of a musical. And some of that may be that it's a translated musical and sometimes those will come out a bit stilted. Um, yeah, I, I did wonder, you know, maybe this is better in Japanese uh, when I, when I was, yeah. when I was a couple musical numbers in. <laughs> I definitely noticed a few turns of phrases that are like very much a literal translation of Japanese turns of phrases. Cause anytime you talk about the heart, that's going to be something that was. Probably oh, yeah. more impactful in Japanese than it was in English. <laughs> I, I think they also. I mean, I think they did rhyme "love" with "love" or "heart" with "heart" <laughs> once or twice in there. But yeah, <laughs> again, it, it, probably because it's they already have a meter they have to fill and they have translation limitations. But the writing feels a little awkward, a little stilted, and the performers are fine, but like not, but not pros. Like they're they're yeah, not, and it really stands out. Yeah, they're they're not they're like like they, they can carry a tune, but they're not excellent singers. But and also, I mean, this this is also you know maybe it's some people find it charming, but, but I find it sometimes annoying. The localization would sometimes make localization jokes in the game. Yes, like like, like they uh, like you talk to an NPC and and they and they said something like it's cold outside, and then in parentheses this is what they actually said in Japanese. Close parentheses, and it, it, like there's there's sort of fourth wall breaking winks that I think are you know a, a, a little corny, but. Uh, again, this I think this game's writing is just a little corny. But, but again, this was a two thousand localization. They definitely didn't have a ton of budget. And um, if this game was being remade from the ground up, I'm I am very confident both the localized writing would be much stronger. Yeah, the the nice thing is, due to just kind of the feel of the game and the tongue in cheek nature of of a lot of this and how it's a very goofy fairy tale, um, the translation doesn't stand out as much as it could um, because it taking you know, those, those little liberties and being a little bit off kilter kind of fits with the feel of the game. I don't want to say it's like a perfect match or anything, um, but it yeah, helps but, soften the blow maybe a little bit. Yeah. The game is, um, is lighthearted and low stakes or actually, you know, that's unfair. Me- lighthearted and medium stakes. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, but they, they do have comedy beats. They do go for, um, for, for sort of like, like cutesy moments rather than like, like, uh, and like there's there's not a lot of death or suffering in this in this game um and 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 the melodrama is a, a little subversive and often played for laughs like the, the, this game uh is is not my does not have my favorite writing or my favorite translation but it is a, a kind of writing and kind of translation that's a little uncommon and i i say i'd say like again i i think the writing in this game is not great but the tone of this game is pretty interesting. Um, it's a you know a lighthearted fairy tale like RPG with musical numbers. Um, the main characters are almost all women, and um, the, and so and it's it's just it's refreshing to play a 1998 game that is uh that is female led in uh in nearly every important role. Uh, and so what I'm saying is, I I think this game has a lot of good ideas, but just that you know I mean. I, we we play a lot of very good games for this ep- for this podcast, and this is I don't think this lives up to the best of them. But it it is a very refreshing change from Dragon Quarter last year, which is a game that's that's openly hostile to the player and but has great mechanics and great writing. While uh, Rhapsody um has not great mechanics or writing, but is but it is a much much gentler game. <laughs> yeah, this is very much something you sit back and relax with, um, more so than you go out 
anticipating and building up like, oh man, I can't wait to play this. This is a lot more of a like, yeah, I feel like chilling a little bit tonight. And this is going <laughs> to facilitate that. I, I really do wonder if this game was made for children or maybe uh, people that don't play a lot of RPGs. Because I feel like it's a first timer RPG in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, it's a little bit baby's first RPG, but not in a. It, it depends on how attached you are to how how much how di- how important difficulty is in a video game, which for me is not, I'm not that a, I'm not that much of a challenge hound. I don't, I uh, I play some hard RPGs, some easy RPGs, and and but if they're good and I'm engaged, I'll I'll play both of them all the way through the end. But this is an easy RPG. I. Uh, uh, again, like I, I, I would do major plot points, and they would go by shockingly quickly. Um, I would win. I win boss fights in like the first or second round, like a little, yeah. a little too often. Like, like I, 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 uh, I remember like I'm fighting. Um, uh, I think it was Gao on the pirate ship. Have you have you have you done that yet? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was fighting Gao on the pirate ship, and my turn. I'm like, all right. Uh. Cornet, use uh, blow your horn to give everyone an attack boost, and then have my three, uh, my three puppets like spell, spell, attack, and that was it. And I'm like, really? That was it? <laughs> I, did, did I eat? Uh, I, I, like, like again, Wes, you've probably had a similar experience to me, but this game is so easy with its battle mechanics that I don't think I've had to use an item a single time the entire game. And I've had oh, to, yeah. I had to revive a puppet I think once because I brought in a level one puppet to a level 25 fight and it died in one hit this is exactly what happened to me the one time i had to use the revival mechanic <laughs> and it's, it's not that big a deal because like like leveling up is so fast in this game that like they uh this game is already kind of easy and then grinding is the, the, the grind is easy it's making it even easier i'm like i'm probably over leveled but also there's never been a single moment of struggle for me in this game uh, really it doesn't hurt that they start you with one of the most powerful characters in the game almost immediately. Yeah, it depends on what version you're playing. Um, yeah. uh, both of us are on the uh, recent re-release, so that's based on the uh, PlayStation One original with some with some tightened up name changes and, and translation uh, fixes here and there, but but mostly exactly like the original. It had a, this game did have a DS remake um, around 15 years ago. That added a couple changes, including bringing in some stuff from future Marvel Kingdom games. Like I think there's a scene that's only in the third Marvel Kingdom game, and they just put it in the DS game. Uh, but you also get Kuru as a starting pup- puppet in the DS version. But um, so that's but that's not what we're doing. We just have Cornette, a, a girl with a, a musically inclined girl with a trumpet who is able to talk to puppets, and the starting puppet Charte, which we're we're gonna pronounce the e at the end of the at the end because otherwise. I don't know. My inner middle school boy will take over, and just we're gonna just, have to bleep it, and then it's yeah, just gonna no be kidding. laughing. And yeah, it's it's like it, basically you know a, a a shark, but replacing the t uh, the k with a t. And it's like it's like dude, no, no, I'm gonna call her Charte. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing before we recorded this podcast, trying to repeat in my head to myself, Charte, Charte, Charte. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get Charte to start off in the beginning, and um, you find puppets pretty easily throughout the cor- throughout the game. Um, it's it's a little bit like Pokemon because you're they're all these sort of um, uh, quirkily designed mascot style characters, uh, but they have they have dialogue and motivations and everything, and and also some sort of scary implications. Um, I think Kururu tells you in a cutscene one time that uh, oh, Cornette, you're special, and this trumpet is special because it it, it can grant with the wishes of any puppet you meet. 
but um and uh, and uh the more powerful the the wish and the purer your heart the more uh powerful your trumpet will be or something so but they basically hand wave an, expla- an explanation of why cornet can talk to puppets and puppets will obey her in battle but also the the sort of darker implication is that all of these puppets are a uh are inhabited by a spirit that experienced some uh some some unfulfilled wish or 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 loss um you and i think the first time we get that is uh is we you you meet a a bear costume that was in an old theater and 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 uh, and it's a puppet named elkun and uh, elkun joins you you end up wearing the bear costume for part of the story it's it's very silly but um after you finish that story moment elkun says thank you so much for letting me be on stage and perform again it's just what i wanted so I'm going to go to heaven now, but the puppet will stay with you. And I'm like, what the hell? And then there's a scene of like a beam of light shooting out, out from Elkun. So now Elkun's still in your party. You still have this, this bear that casts thunder spells for reasons unknown uh, to hang out with you. But it, it, but it, it looks like that all of these puppets are the spirit of a departed person that, that had an unfulfilled wish and Cornet's powers will help make the puppet stronger and grant their wishes possibly but then, um, but then after they move on, so basically you're like, like she's almost like a puppet exorcist in, in a way that, in a way that is not really communicated by the tone of the game at all, but, but they also try to make that part of the game as wholesome as possible. Like, like, like she, like all, almost all the puppets are friendly to you. There's a couple, um, puppets filled with, uh, revenge or resentment. Like, like there, I think there's three swordsman puppets that you meet. I've, I've, I, I just met the third one. Um, yeah, it should be three. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, and and they're and they're all they all want revenge revenge against. I think it's Mustaki, which is Cornet's grandfather and and a and a brilliant puppet maker. <laughs> but 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 they attack you when you meet them for the first time, and then but then they respect your strength and join you. So so like the puppets here, I I, I saw a list. There's more than there's there's nothing but like like sixteen. Uh, oh shoot, I think it's like fifteen or sixteen of them. But yeah. whenever you find a puppet, you get dialogue. They have specific motiv- motivations and a dedicated side quest, which is like in an RPG that was a little more interesting, a little more challenging. That could be awesome. Like like collecting these cartoon puppets and helping them fulfill their wishes, and maybe rewarding those side quests with with uh, with new attacks or or or, or something. It, it, they have an interesting story me- gameplay mechanic structurally here, but it's just the game is so easy. The whole thing is just a shrug and you can use whatever puppets you want. It, it also sometimes feels like the game is less concerned with the, the puppet ideas of the plot. Like it's, it's wanting you to go through the whole rescue scenario, the, the main plot. So the fact that she can control these puppets, the fact that they have souls, the fact that they have unresolved business, um, only seems to come up infrequently, and it's something that could be focused on a little bit more and bring something unique. And, and also, um, puppets are very popular in this in this land. You see puppets just in people's houses hanging out all the time, but uh, but but Cornet is the only person that can speak to puppets. So like, you'll go into a person's house, and they'll be uh, and they'll, it'll be like an old lady there, and she's like, oh. You know, I, I I I'm lonely since my husband passed away, but at least I have this little puppet here. And when you talk to the puppet, you're you're uh, it's it's like I like I'm the ghost of her husband. I just hope she was. I just hope she can stay happy. It's like what the hell? <laughs> it's like talking talking to puppets will teach you about the world and give you sometimes hints for the next thing you got to do. But it's 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 very weird that this is a world where puppets and dolls are popular, 
and they're they're central to the gameplay, and you're the only one that can talk to them. I, I don't know. It, it, it makes this very cute, openly cute world have a dark underbelly that is kind of messed up, and I kind of like. <laughs> yeah, I get that. It it gives you something to gnaw on, whereas the rest of the plot is kind of very straightforward. This one actually gives you your brain something to latch onto and think about. And and we mentioned Sharte. She's the puppet you get at the beginning of the game. She can heal and use holy magic, and she's at least above average, possibly one of the best in the game. So having her never leave your party is uh is not the worst idea. But um, do you have another favorite puppet that you've used other than Sharte? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I really liked uh for for a long time. Um, what's the first egg's name? Oh my goodness! Is it okay? It's is it Tell? Yeah, yeah. It's it's I, it's. I think it's Tell, named after William Tell. Then Kid and Billy, named after Billy the Kid. He um, he didn't stay in my party super long because I just got stronger puppets. But something about his animations, like this egg that bounces around between enemies and has this giant halberd that he's that he's striking with. Actually, no, I I, I, I think Kid is the axe egg and and Tell is the bow and arrow egg. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that actually sounds right. So if you find all three eggs and go into one of the early dungeons of the game, they all pop out of the party and tell you that um, their their quest their quest is in that dungeon. So there's stuff like that, like like you yeah. there's a, there, there's an arc of you meeting every puppet, and they have these um, these very silly cartoony designs, but then you can help them achieve their wish by giving them each a dedicated side quest. Again, this isn't bad. I just wish that the gameplay was a little deeper to accommodate this mostly interesting system. Um, so, so do, yeah. uh, But you didn't use any of the eggs for very long? No. Um, I just had stronger... <laughs> like, casters are amazing in this game. Um, and while, ever, while most puppets are in some way or another casters, there are some that are definitely more castery than others. Uh, mm-hmm. So I find myself pretty heavily leaning on magic. Really, I think there's there's two kinds of puppets. There's sort of attackers and casters. And sometimes the casters are also good attackers just by having a high attack stat. But uh, like the um, th- th- that first egg, the egg with an axe, and the three sword- revenge swordsmen are, are, are pretty strong. Like I have one of the yeah. swordsmen in my party right now, and his regular attacks deal like 200 damage. Maybe, maybe like 270 if you boost them with cornet. So like, like like all of the puppets are way stronger than your opponents. So for the most part, you can use whoever you want. But I, I agree, um, uh, magic casting is very powerful in this game. And sometimes enemies will resist one element. Like, uh, oh my my uh, my wind dragon, like tornado will deal mo- usually 160 damage. But against these enemies, it's 110 because they resist wind. It's like that. Okay, then I'll just put two different element mages in my party. It's Again, you don't. You really don't have to overthink it. But uh, magic is powerful, and big attackers are powerful. But maybe those eggs aren't very powerful. The the thing that really affects my party makeup is that the casters have uh, uh, AOE, and especially Sharte, since she's with you from the beginning. She's my highest level puppet. She always acts first, and she has two really powerful AOE attacks. So she tends to be the only one acting in battle unless it's a boss fight. So the rest of my party doesn't matter. She is my party. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, and, and also, uh, you heal at a level up um, in this game, and yes. you level up super fast. Like, I think on average, you're going through a dungeon, um, my highest level puppets will probably level up every five or six battles, and that's and five or six battles is more than enough to uh, 
um, or I, I should say not even enough to run out of MP casting my yeah. most powerful spells. So you're you like because you're going to level up anyway, uh, you're and and heal those MP anyway. You can cast your most powerful spells most of the time and be just fine. Like I, I'm, we're we're maybe talking about this uh, for too long, but this game has some pretty good mechanics. It also has some light strategy RPGs mechanics. You move around on a grid. There's area of effect spells. There's boosting spells. Um, and again, there's there's a. Uh, some puppets that are definitely more attackers. You also can recruit monsters in this game. Did you even know that going in? There was like the one monster that you get at the very beginning, and I haven't touched any other since. What, 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 was it a mushroom? Mine was a uh, slime. Okay. Um, I, I think you have a low chance of recruiting a monster. If m- maybe Cornette has to deal the fo- the final blow or something, but I recruited two mushrooms in this game, not even aware I could recruit monsters. Once was in once was in the very beginning dungeon. Once was a little bit later, and they, they were they were they were both mushrooms, but slightly different colors. So there, you know, one was a mid game mushroom. Uh, and, but and also there's just a monster collector in a shop that will just buy your puppets or your monsters off of you, <laughs> so you can That's sell. <laughs> yeah, you can sell every puppet and just solo the game as Cornet if you really want to. But I I don't want to. I I, I think I sold my two mushrooms because it just felt weird having them in my party when I when I wanted to play with puppets only. But yeah, th- th- this game, I didn't even know there was a monster collecting mechanic until about an hour in, a mushroom just unexpectedly joined my party. Yeah, because most of the game, like, I'm not going to be using Cornette to attack. She's usually sitting in the back of the formation, just using the horn on everyone, and then they're dead before her next turn comes around. <laughs> yeah, you use the horn. It's, I think, 8 MP to give an attack boost to all of your puppets near you. And also, whenever you, she plays her horn, her little super meter goes up. And you can eventually use one of her reward spells, which are really powerful, and I save mostly for boss fights. Again, this game gives you a lot of fun mechanics to play th- to play with, but it's so easy that it's never challenging. Um, but anyway, you you mentioned the rescue arc. Let's talk a little bit about, about the story. Um, Cornette is a girl who loves puppets. Um, she goes into into town um, with her best friend puppet Kururu. Um, there's a sort of a an Ojo Sama, um, a very haughty, very rude girl named Etoile. Which, uh, She's right. the best, just yeah, saying. Yeah, and uh, they have a semi-rivalry going where I think Etoile and Cornette genuinely like each other and root for each other, but cannot be nice to each other, is, is, my, is my interpretation of this. Yeah, pretty much. Etoile <laughs> uh, is not interested in romance, but is interested in winning. So she's, so she's trying to um, win the fashion contest to, to, be, to become the wife candidate of, the, of Prince Ferdinand, who's the, the prince of Marl Kingdom. And... Uh, and uh, Ferdinand rescues Cornette from a dragon in the forest early in the game, and she's a little bit smitten. She's like, "Oh, who's this handsome guy?" But then, and then she goes into the king and like, "Oh, the handsome guy was the prince. Oh, there, there's a uh, there's a, a a contest to to meet the prince." I'm like, "Okay, I'll enter that." And you end up having to <laughs> you end up needing needing to find a dress, but you can't buy one because Etoile has bought every dress and every uh uh like textile supply for the next three years. <laughs> Boss move, Just. which is <laughs> yes, but the uh, girl boss move for sure. So you end, up, <laughs> you end up going into an abandoned theater, fighting a bunch of uh, a bunch of chef cats, and finding a bear costume, and you wear that bear costume to the contest. But then you f- it makes you trip in during the dance portion of the contest and fall into Prince Ferdinand's arms. Cue music, cue musical number. It's a little bit like uh oh um like in the nineteen fifty Disney Cinderella where it's uh um. Uh, my heart has wings and I can fly. Kind of uh, dancing. Very with the much prince. so. Yeah, that th- that was my specific reference there. 
Um, and so like basically Cornette stumbles into a romance with the prince and the prince thinks, you know, like, like Cornette's unrefined and not uh, as normal, as classically pretty as a twelve, I guess, but is, but is very, very honest and pure hearted and strong. And, and prince is like, you know, I, I kind of like this Cornette girl. Maybe, maybe we should hang out more, but right when Cornette and, and the prince are making a connection, um, we meet Marjorie and her crew. Uh, Marjorie is a villain lady. She's a witch and her with her three uh, witch friends, Meow, Gao, and Crodia. And she crashes the party because they, um, uh, because I think it was because uh, Meow was trying to get a fish that Marjorie wanted, but then, uh, but then Cornette interrupted her. I don't, I forget. It was, it was, it was a very stupid reason why Marjorie crashed the party. Yeah. <laughs> because I can't remember it that well gives you an idea of how important it was to the plot. But Marjorie, who's three hundred, who's hundreds of years old because she's an immortal witch, but uh, also is very sensitive about people preferring to her age, um, immediately falls in love with Prince Ferdinand when she sees him and tries to. Uh, I think she tries to cast a spell to make him fall in love with her or something, but accidentally turns him to stone instead. Oops! And she she panics, grabs the prince, flies out of there with her three minions. And the next part of the game is, well, we need to find a way to find the prince and cure the paralysis. What can we do to do that? Oh, if you get the five magic stones scattered all over Marl Kingdom, you can, uh, you should be able to heal any, to undo any spell. So, so that's where I am now. I'm finding the five magic stones. I found four of them and I'm right at the beginning of the dungeon where I'm pretty sure the fifth one is. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm almost done with this part of the game. But uh, again, I, I don't know exactly how the pace is for the the last uh, stretch, so yeah. I don't know how much game I have left. Yeah, I'm at two stones, I believe, so I'm not super far behind. But we'll be finding out pretty soon how much there is after. Yeah, and uh, th- these quests are basically each of them is going to a new place, investigating around, learning about what happened to this stone, and then doing a medium sized dungeon and uh, and 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 solving the problem and. Uh, some of them are more involved than others. Uh, uh, which two of the stones have you gotten? So, so we can save some discussion for today and save some for next week. Oh, the, the Firestone. And I don't remember what the second one is, to be honest. There's the Windstone in Oasis. There's the Waterstone on the pirate ship. And the Thunderstone in the Ice Town. I think it's Snow White. Yeah, I think that's the other one that I got. Okay, yeah. And then yeah, the, 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 the one the, the one I haven't gotten yet is the Earth Stone on the uh, the island on the southeast portion of the map. Yeah, and honestly, for for all we know, the game's going to be nearly done at that point. I don't know if it's going to. Yeah, I, I really don't know how much more game I have left to play. Uh, but the uh, but but each of these is again. I think I've referenced this before. It's a little bit like Dragon Quest Three, where it's like you need to find the stones. They're scattered around. Go at them. And uh, and the hardest part is not doing the dungeons or fighting the bosses. It's just figuring out who you need to talk to to unlock the next thing. And uh, um, but but uh, and, you know, as a story structure, I think it's actually pretty good. Like I, I kind of like it when you have a little bit of nonlinearity and uh, and a little bit of self discovery involved in the story. Um, and the story moments aren't bad, but but they again they they go by so fast and they're kind of head scratching sometimes. Like with the Firestone. Um, you're, you, it's like the town people are like, please sit, slay the dragon that, that are threatening us. And then you defeat some dragons. Then Crodia, one of Marjorie's girls, gets mad at you for killing the dragons. Um, the volcano erupts. 
some villagers maybe die, maybe make it back to the village. I'm not sure. And, um, and, and then, uh, it looks like that the, the dragon egg that was left by the dragons, the, the baby inside might die. Sir Cornet tr- uh, plays her trumpet to pr- turn it into a puppet. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure if Flare the baby dragon is a real baby dragon or the um, undead puppet of a baby dragon. <laughs> More disturbing implications from the. <laughs> The main mechanic of of gameplay here. I am choosing to believe that you uh, that Flare is a an alive baby dragon, and your trumpet just woke it up out of its egg. But it, but again, literally, there is a a side story. Do you have the dog in your party? I do not. Uh, there's a kid with a dog, um, who's like my dog's my best friend, and the dog is like woof woof. I think it's Koro is his name. So it's a little, like a little bit like Koromaru mm-hmm. for the for the persona heads in the audience. But um, but then like uh. That, but then there you go back to the if you talk to the kid after the I think it's after the uh, after Marjorie ca- uh, captures Ferdinand and also in the and there's another translation issue in the songs where they mention Ferdinand they sometimes call him Ferdinando which I think is probably how it's pronounced in Japanese yeah <laughs> but whatever uh, if you, uh, and you talk to the kid again it goes I was gonna drown but then my, but then Koro Chan saved my life and drowned instead it's like oh no. This is, that's awful. That's horrible. But then, but then, if you go to Koro's grave in the uh, in the church, this is in your starting town. Um, then Koro joins, uh, uh, like the ghost of Koro is like, "I want to join your party. Will you play your trumpet?" And it's like, "Yes, of course." But then, when you if you use Koro in battle, he's like a cyborg robot dog with a, with like a laser on his on the side <laughs> of his body. It's, it's, okay, uh, I need to go find this. Yeah. Um. Um. See. So yeah. I'm. I. I hope you're able to still recruit him. But it's it's in the uh, it's in the starting town, Orange Village. Um, yeah. But like again, the dark implication of what puppets are uh, and and what the spirits mean. Um, it, it's this game is so weird. It, it, it's this very cute overtone and very dark undertone, and it's so easy. But the things that have turned me the most off from this game are the dungeons. These are yeah. samey copy pasted rooms it's like oh in in the ice cave the uh the the copy pasted patterns are caverns are blue but in the uh enodium mind mind the the caverns are dark brown it's the, these are boring dungeons that uh don't even reward reward explanation very uh, excuse me reward exploration very much a couple like, of them a couple of them have puppets hidden inside but other than that i do, i do not give half a damn about it and it's like four or five tiles per dungeon like <laughs> <laughs> you're you're not just going through places that look very samey like the shape of the room you're running through is the same as like 12 other rooms in that same dungeon yeah um, it, which it, makes them feel more maze-like than they are all the tiles are like turn left turn right turn up turn down four-way crossing three-way crossing like like then that's it and and some of them are temple or, or castle style and some are cave style and that's again. That is it. These are really poorly designed dungeons that are samey. That make me that make me immediately switch my phone to a podcast or a comedy video or something. And hey, it, I was like, doing that too. <laughs> oh no, no, no! This is we, we. I think we mentioned in another episode how sometimes games are just podcasty games. This is a real podcasty game. Like like listen to episodes of Rhythm Retro or Random Encounter, <laughs> and then pause the podcast for when there's a musical number or some important dialogue. <laughs> because these dungeons yeah. are, are weak but fortunately and then the encounter rate is also oh to me it, it feels 
schizophrenic. Like sometimes I'll I'll have yes. a I'll have an encounter every three steps, and then I'll have like five rooms in a row with no encounter. I do not know what the mechanic is, but it, it's not consistent. Yeah, it's really hard to say. Like it it feels like there's no logic to the RNG to it, and it's just kind of giving it to you at a flat percent rate of each step running into an encounter. Maybe that's it, and they don't have any built-in mechanics like in how in uh in Final Fantasy Nine. Um, you can't, uh, there's a minimum three steps between every encounter. So you can actually cheese that system and take in, in FF9 and take two steps, then wait about two seconds, two steps, wait about two seconds, and not having a single random encounter the entire game if you want. Um, but there's nothing like that here. You will have uh, in random encounters one step apart or 100 steps apart. And I've had both. Um, and, but fortunately, I, I don't feel too much fatigue from these. Because you know, sometimes random encounters will just will just drive you batty. But you, because you finish every single encounter on the first or second turn, and you heal the full every five or six encounters because of the because of the level scaling in this game, or I, I should say the the level up rate in this game, it's very breezy. Like even though these dungeons are yeah. lab are labyrinthine and poorly designed and uh, and not even good for orienteering your landmarks, because if you like. You know, if if every floor of the tower looks the same, how do you remember which which paths you haven't taken yet? Uh, well, in one of them, though, there's a sign in each floor that tells you what true. floor you're on. There's your landmark. That's true, and that was helpful. And when I and that I think that's the Tower of Wisdom. And when I was in the Tower of Nine Tales later, it's like, man, I wish I had those Tower of Wisdom signs again. <laughs> um. But 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 yeah, the the, uh, the the volcano dungeon and the and the baby dragon, um, the Tower of Nine Tails actually gives you a choice at the end because you're um, there's a a boy who wants to get the Thunderstone from the Nine Tails to save his sick mother, but then uh, but his his master who is a, a local mountain man doesn't want him to. He wants to protect the Nine Tails because they they're the guardians of the snowy region, and if you take the Thunderstone from them, you'll, they'll die. So when you go up to that tower, well, actually, before you go up the tower, he sings a mountain man song. That's, you know, let's say pretty good for this game. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> you have a choice at the top of the tower to fight the nine tails for the thunderstone or let them live. And if you let them live, they give you a holy stone instead, which makes me think that their decision was was a non-starter from the beginning. And you fight uh, uh, you fight Gao instead, who's the you know, one of Marjorie's goons. Um, because she, she's trying to get the Thunderstone, to, all the magic stones to, to save the prince as well. Because again, Marjorie's in love with the prince and doesn't want him to stay a statue. Oh, uh, and you know, I think I mentioned a while ago, Wes, I did have a favorite song in this game. Do, do you know what it, what it is? Oh, I don't know off the top of my head, no. It's the villain song that Marjorie sings. I should have guessed that. Yeah. I should have guessed that. It, it, it's pretty good. It, it is a, um, it is a very, very self-aware um, villain song that, that's very silly, but also just I, I kind of like the vibe of Marjorie and her and her uh, other witch friends. It really reminds me of um, of Doronjo, who is a similar scantily clad lady who hates jokes about her age, but she's from a, a '70s anime called Yatterman. That and I, but I I mostly know her from Tatsunoko versus Capcom for the Wii. <laughs> but but but, but yeah, that made me th- but that made me think it's like I, I, that's like you know what I think it's an old anime trope. To have like a middle-aged woman scantily clad as like the as like a villain character. Because there's multiple seasons of Super Sentai that do that also. 
Um, I was going to say, as an old anime fan, I can confirm that is the yeah, case. Yeah, ex- exactly. So, so there's a lot of um, a lot of Slayer's energy and Yatraman el- energy to to Marjorie and her evil crew. Yeah, and that I don't know. That seemed like the most interestingly visual song because so many of the songs do just slap a spotlight on someone and you know show the same one animation and maybe they walk back and forth a couple of times. Whereas <laughs> that one is absolute chaos. There are minions flying all over the screen. There are um, yeah, unique animations I hadn't seen from her minions. Yeah, Marjorie will laugh and animate, and even and even has a little bit of tiny, you know, thirty-two bit jiggle in her in her <laughs> laughing animation. As much as they can fit into yeah, those no small kidding. sprites. She smooches the Ferdinand statue. Um, she gets mad when someone mentions that she's over that she's uh, over three hundred years old. It it, it it was more visually interesting, and also just an amusing song. Yeah. Um. But, but again, I, I found four of the five stones, so I, I think I'm going to be challenging Marjorie directly before too long, question mark. But, but uh, you know, the musical numbers aren't great, but this is an early example of Tenpei Sato music. And uh, I don't know how many Disgaea games you've played, Wes, but for me, I, I've played the first four uh, plus Dimension plus Dimension 2 and Infinite and, uh, and also Lapusel Tactics, which is kind of a moral sequel slash Disgaea prequel. I I watched my college roommate play most of those. <laughs> That's how I experienced them. I, I think I've used this word in this podcast already, but Sato's music can be described as quirky. Like yes, it's, it's 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 extremely. very it's it's very bouncy, very cartoony, almost always upbeat. Even when it, even when the music gets sinister, it feels it, it feels like there's some there's some uh, wink to the listener. Uh, it. it and, and, and his output is insane. Uh, Sato's worked on something like 30 soundtracks yeah. over the last 25 years. But, uh, and they do admittedly run together a little bit. Like, it's, it's hard for me to remember whether my favorite Disgaea song is in one, two, three, or four. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, 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 I, but they're still good. Like, I, I think that this, this soundtrack isn't bad. It's just that the musical numbers feel a little stilted, a little awkward. And I'm mostly listening to podcasts as I'm going through these blank ass dungeons there are a few a few songs that really stand out like the world map song for me was like it hit me as when developers were getting used to cd audio they really liked that kind of soundscape (laughs) this kind of broad echoey soundscape that they use in there um and i don't know there's there's i think just a touch of nostalgia for me whenever i hear a song like that Um, oh yeah no no this is a playstation ass game it really it really is. is so er, early cd audio um sprites that are a bit more expressive than super nintendo or, or genesis sprites um uh more voice effects than usual but not being fully voice voiced or close to it. It, it 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 is a game of its very specific time and place um and 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 there's fun to that again like i i loved playing i, I played suikoden one to completion for the first time in I think 2021 and had a blast and and I'm I'm this is not as good as Suikoden one <laughs> but I'm ha- but I'm having a uh, but I'm get- having a similar feeling of nostalgia for a game I've never played. There's a there's a lot of um, character to some of the battle animations as well, especially like some of the enemies or like when a twelve pops up with all of her various guns. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, a twelve like and her and her uh, bodyguards. Uh, like having guns pulled out from hammer space is so disgaea to me. It's extremely yeah. disgaea. Like, like, like this is one of the games that informed Nipponichi's visual style and humor and anime nonsense going forward. 
but it wasn't 100 percent there yet. I, I, I've been I've been probably more critical than usual in this podcast, but I, I'm mostly having fun. Like this is a cozy, easy RPG yeah. that I'm just sitting back. It's like it's like settling into an armchair where I'm not I'm not being challenged or even that stimulated. But you know, I'm leveling up. I'm collecting puppets. I'm I'm having an okay time. Really, it's it's. It's hard not to be kind of critical with it because all of the good points of it are just very self-evident. It's just, it's relaxing. It's cozy. It's cute. Um, how much more can you say about that? Whereas its faults, while not as severe as they could be, um, are interesting faults. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that boring dungeons are an interesting fault, but this game does so many interesting things. Like I, I think the puppet recruitment and uh, and the overall tone of the game and the fact that it does have musical uh, numbers and it's and um oh like and, and the fact that there's monster recruitment and you can and you can barely notice it as you're playing like yeah. like all of these are interesting it's just not executed as as well as they could be like I, I this is gonna sound very very condescending and I'm sorry Wes but I I think this game is not great this is like a seven out of ten but it. But because it has good ideas, I just sort of wish it was better. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, this is a um, game with good concepts. It's not unfun or bad, but it, it, it's just sort of mediocre on executing those concepts. But uh, but I'm, I definitely want to finish, especially because this game, according to the brilliant HowLongToBeat.com, is is under twelve hours. I'm definitely going to finish this game, unlike un- unlike the intimidating and. Uh, and difficult and demanding of every second of my time by <laughs> the fire dragon quarter <laughs> from last month, which I still feel bad about not finishing. Um, like, like I'm definitely going to finish this one. And, uh, I, and, and, you know, Wes, I don't own that collection of the other Marvel trilogy games, <laughs> but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Me too. Like all I can think about is how much this could improve with a sequel. Cause those concepts are so good. And, and again, I, I, I have played La Pucelle tactics, which is also in the collection with this game, but yes. I, I haven't, I haven't touched it on the switch yet. I got this game um, on on sale only a couple months ago after we knew after we knew we were going to play it, but it, but it, it fortunately was half off, so I didn't it um it didn't break the bank or anything. Yeah, I might revisit Lapisil eventually because I really did enjoy that game in the, uh that game twenty years ago when I played it. It's a cool game, and um, I believe Omar uh the 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 pirate boy in Lapisil Tactics is uh is either Cornet's son or grandson. Huh. And he and he joins the pirate crew that you meet in Blue Cat at, at sometime in the future of this game. That's amazing. Uh, so it's it's implied that he's a runaway prince. And oh, uh, spoiler alert! I'm pretty sure Cor- Cornette is going to marry Ferdinand at the end of this game. I, I, that, that's that's such a non-spoiler. I don't think yeah. I'm I'm not, I'm not even upset. Um, this is such a fairy tale you can kind of call from a mile away. Yeah, no, this is going to be a total Shakespearean comedy and end on a wedding. I'm I'm very certain about that you know because you know shakespearean comedies end with weddings shakespearean tragedies ends with deaths this has this has wedding energy to me it um, has big wedding energy and uh, and again but also that there's also there's these weird under things like like why do these why do a handful of puppets want revenge against your grandpa and if all these puppets are spirits with unfulfilled wishes or hopes what's kururu yeah like like um um i i think there's equal chances of kururu being like one of Cornette's parents or um or, or or being like the goddess that gave Cornette her powers because she Kuru was lonely like and wanted someone to talk to like like there are there are ways this could go and also a twall 
while seeming like a useless NPC the first time you meet her, ends up getting like more character development than any oh, other man. character. This is why I love Etoile. Have, have you done the sequence in Oasis yet? I haven't. Th- that's an Etoile portion of the game, avoiding spoilers. But we'll, but we well, will I know what to, <laughs> what to set sites for next. Excellent. Um, and, and oh God, also, when, to get the key into the space, you need to go into an Oasis. You have to go back to the restaurant theater and talk to a guy. And, and after he gives you the key, he disappears and it appears to ascend to heaven. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, <laughs> if I'm like, again, this game is so like weird about his execution. I'm not sure if an NPC leaves or passes away in front of me <laughs> at, at, at one point. But, but anyway, that'll be for next episode. We still have to talk about Oasis and the island and um, maybe some more about uh um, maybe some more about the other magic stones. Um, and, and again, I'm sure there's more musical numbers and some more action out of my favorite 300 old year old, witch uh, to see in the game. So, and I'm much more confident about finishing this game than I was about last month in breath wow. of fire. Uh, so anyway, uh, Wes, thank you for stepping up to the plate and being my only podcast buddy this month. <laughs> Yeah, we got a co-pilot situation here. I'm good with it. Yeah, this, this might be a big month of West because last week you were on the um, Dragon Quest episode with me. Yep. And I think we both might be on board for our Halloween episode in a couple of weeks. I think so. Excellent. Well, anyway, uh, listeners, I, I think I just gave it away a little bit. Next week, we're going to have part two of Rhapsody, a musical adventure here on Retro Encounter. And the following week, we're going to have a Halloween-ish themed episode. It will not. It might be a little spooky, but will not be as you know scary as some past late october episodes we've had on our podcasts uh, i think last year uh, peter and i played the quarry together which was a lot of fun but considerably less scary than what we i mean excuse me considerably scarier than what we have planned later this month and uh, you know speaking of scary games maybe we're playing rhapsody in the wrong month because in november we are playing a legitimately scary game bloodborne um i am f- pretty early on in it uh it has been the craziest tonal whiplash switching between Rhapsody and Bloodborne over the past. <laughs> you could not have picked yeah, better over, games to over, play to bear. Over the past ten days or so, those are the, those have been the two games I'm playing the most. And uh, I've, I've killed Father Gascoigne in uh, in in Bloodborne, and it was harder than every single second of Rhapsody and Musical Adventure. <laughs> Accurate. <sighs> And we haven't planned out most of November, but I think we're going to do an episode on our favorite side characters and maybe an episode on classic fan translations. Those are in the ideas board, but we haven't scheduled those yet, so I don't know if those will be November or another date. But um, uh, Retro Encounter, that's the plans we have for Retro Encounter going forward. Um, RPG Fan also has uh, two other fine podcasts. Um, There is Random Encounter about uh, what uh, we're playing on the website and randomness and rhythm encounter about RPG music and rhythmness. Um, you can, uh, reach out to retro encounter using the email retro at RPG and those other podcasts, uh, uh, by through, um, music at RPG and podcast RPG You can review all three of those podcasts, including retro encounter on Apple podcasts or Google play or Spotify or however you're listening to us. Um, what's the other stuff that I've skipped over in housekeeping? Oh yeah. RPG fan shop. Um, if you go to rpgfan.com slash shop, you can purchase RPG fan merch sold through T public includes apparel, baby onesies, coffee mugs, phone cases, a lot of stuff that you can buy, um, to support us emblazoned with the RPG fan Emerald shield. But, uh, Wes, I got to thank you again for joining me on this episode. Thank you, the listeners for listening to us on this episode. And before we sign off, we'll, uh, tell the listeners how to reach us via social media or otherwise. Wes, how can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Wes Iliff or on Blue Sky at Lone Weasel. And listeners, you can find me on Twitter at The Real Monsoon, on Instagram at Evoker for Dogs, and on Blue Sky, I am Social. So, I mean, like as Snow White once said, someday my prince will come, but sometime a princess just has to go out and find the prince herself. Thank you, good night, and good luck. <laughs>